and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex and I'm a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. We uh, have this show, Grow Up and Talk, because we believe eternities are changed. When Jesus followers grow up in their faith, and one of the best ways that we can do this, go on this journey towards spiritual maturity, is by reading God's Word and talking about it. At Messiah, as a family, we are going through this three-year Bible reading plan, and to help me uh, continue forward in our three-year plan is Abby and Dylan Becker. Dylan's been on our show before, but Abby is brand new to the show, so welcome to the both of you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having us. Um, We're excited to be here. Abby and I are new to the Fair Oaks area. Uh, about two years ago, we don't have a whole lot of family and friends um, here, but uh, we're very thankful for our church body who has made us feel very welcome and kind of given given us some roots to grow around here in the Faroes area. Um, Abby and I got married last October, so we are still enjoying our honeymoon phase, and things are going great. Um, and fun fact of the day is uh, we close on our first home purchase this coming Thursday. So we're right. super excited about that and uh, blessed to have that opportunity. Cool. And I'll, I'll pass it on to Abby. Well, awesome. I think Dylan covered it, but my name's Abby. <laughs> Very good. Congratulations on your Thank name you. being Abby and also yeah. <laughs> on closing the house too. I just, uh, my family and I just recently closed on a house as well. So awesome. uh, very excited about that. Interest rates are very good right now. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yep. Great time. There you go. It's a great time to get a mortgage. All right. <laughs> and it's also every day is a great day and a great time to read God's word. So we're going to cover the readings today from July 25th through July 31st in our reading plan, and that covers 1 Samuel chapters 18 through 24. It also, there's been a lot of different psalms kind of sprinkled in, so maybe we'll have to do some special episodes for the psalms later on, but for today we're going to focus on the narrative of 1 Samuel 18 through 24, and it gets very interesting. So, I'm going to do a quick overview or a brief summary of what's going on in these chapters, and then we'll jump into it. So in 1 Samuel chapter 18, uh, it's just after David has killed Goliath. So the famous David and Goliath story that uh, many people know, many people who who uh, don't read the Bible uh, know about this story. And uh, so David kills Goliath, and then in chapter 18, it shows that um, David is coming before King Saul, and that's when um, him and Jonathan, Saul's son, form this really good uh, friendship, and they become uh, good friends, and then people uh, just praise David because they say, you know, he he has killed so many people, he, he's, uh, you know, Saul has struck down thousands, and David his ten, ten thousands. So, in other words, they're like one-upping Saul and saying David is even more triumphant than Saul, and this makes Saul really jealous of David. Uh, David marries Saul's daughter, Michael, or Michal, however you want to pronounce that. And then Saul gets really mad, and he tries to kill David. Now, Saul and David, um, 
or David kind of escapes Saul multiple times, and then uh, Jonathan and David uh, discover what Saul is really up to, and they kind of work out this agreement uh, to try to figure out a way um, for David to get away safely. So they work that agreement out, and then David does have to uh, flee because, unfortunately, Jonathan finds out that David is telling the truth about the fact that his father, Saul, or the king, Saul, wants to kill David. Jonathan didn't quite believe it at first, or um, he didn't know about it at first, really, and then he discovers that it is true. David uh, runs away. He goes to this priest in this area called a knob, and um, he asks for some bread. And the priest gives David the bread that only the priests were supposed to eat, so we'll talk about that later on. Uh, David tells a lie about what he's really doing in that area, so the priest helps him. There's some kind of servant of Saul in that area at the time that hears about what's going on. And later, unfortunately, Saul uh, goes and kills the priest and all the people in that area. Um, but David, long story short, keeps on running away from Saul and eventually um, comes very close uh, in an encounter with Saul uh, in a cave. But he decides to spare Saul's life. So that's where our readings end for today. And it's this kind of power struggle between David and Saul and really David escaping Saul a bunch. Um, and also, we see David's uh, friendship with Jonathan at the center of that story as well. So that's what's happening. Uh, Abby, Dylan, what stood out to you uh, when reading these chapters? I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me was how faithful David was throughout the whole, you know, few chapters that we read. Yeah. How he, you know would talk to God and pray to God, but not only did he have the faith, but he listened to what God wanted him to mm. do, which yeah. I thought was something that we don't always seem to do is the listening part. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, that. I did find that that was something that stood out to me as well was David's, um, was often that in being in his faithfulness, he did not fight back. Um, he definitely fought. He definitely went to war. He killed a lot of Philistines. Uh, he was, you know, he was part of the military. He was very successful in that. But um, I like that that stood out to you because it did to me as well. Because um, he, in that faithfulness, he also just kind of, uh, you know, he he ran away more than he did truly stand up to to Saul. And so I, I yeah. thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I like also how through David's faithfulness, God um, was able to put him in a situation where he was able to flee yeah. a few times. Like when Saul was right there on his, on his heels and um, all of a sudden, uh, you know, the, the other tribe was raiding the lands and so they had to go take care of that and yeah <laughs> gave david an opportunity to skedaddle a little bit but i i think that just goes to show the the faith that he had and the faith that we should have hmm. and that um although we have fears and things like that as long as we place our complete and total faith in god yeah he's going to make arrangements to where we're going to be protected and i you mentioned the psalms and we had 
we had read through some of that too, but in there, I mean, David talks so much about how he finds God as his shield and mm. his protector and placing that faith there and not having to be afraid of what the world's throwing at you because, you know, that God's got your back. Yeah, nice. Uh, I like what you said about, um, you know, putting your faith in God and he'll make the arrangements. Um, he'll make the arrangements for you to uh, to have that refuge in him. So I like that. Um, yeah, w- let's see what I have here in my notes. Um, one thing that st- stood out to me, this kind of goes along with, you know, what we've been talking about with David's faithfulness is really in chapter 20 where David and Jonathan are kind of working out this this covenant or agreement. David comes to Jonathan and says, um, hey, your dad is trying to kill me. And Jonathan says, no way. Um, I didn't know that. Um, I would have told you if I did know about that. And so they're, they're kind of questioning each other a little bit to make sure, okay, yeah, uh, you're really on my side. I can really trust you. And so there is a bit of tension there in their friendship, but you know, they, they come out even stronger because they form that covenant and that way for David to get away. But what was interesting to me was in verse 8 of chapter 20, uh, David says, Deal kindly with your servant, for ye have brought your servant into a covenant. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? So David's saying, you know, if... if if I should ever, if I'm found guilty of anything, of even lying to you, uh, do the deed yourself. Kill me. Don't even bring me to your father. Uh, hold me accountable yourself because the covenant is between me and you. And so I found that really interesting because, um, you know, David and Jonathan in, in verse 16, you know, D- Jonathan is saying, may God strike down the enemies of David. And he knows very well that that uh, is probably going to end up being his his dad, King Saul, and so these two uh, these two men, David and Jonathan, they still desire accountability, even though they know that that um, may be really difficult for them to encounter later on down the road, uh, but they still in desire to uphold themselves in integrity. They still desire justice to be done. Um, and including Jonathan, even if that means that his dad will face uh, severe consequences. Do you you feel like um, that Jonathan's love towards David was stronger than that towards his dad if he was willing to make that agreement that, you know, Um, if if he was wronging David in that way? Okay. Um, Are you kind of asking, like, was he... Was he not loving his father in the the right way, or no? I'm okay. I'm just I'm just asking. Do you think because you know it says there, um, and Jonathan had David yeah. reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Right. Yeah. I almost feel that if and it says multiple times how much Jonathan loves David, mm-hmm. and and vice versa. But for for you to say, basically, you know, if my dad is seeking to kill you. For no good reason, then mm-hmm. let let him die. You know, like making right. that pact with David's pretty strong. Yeah, to say that against your own dad. Right. Yeah. No, it definitely is, and it just kind of 
it reminds me of what Jesus says when he says, um, you know, Jesus says things like, um, he who does not hate his own father and mother and brother and sisters cannot come and be my disciple. And you're like, whoa, Jesus, (laughs) hold on, man. Are you not a family guy? You know, Um, but really what, and that's hyperbole. So he's like exaggerating to, uh, to, to prove his point. Um, but he is saying that, like, you know, if you were to ever, if it comes between following me, Christ, or, you mm-hmm. know, Jesus is saying, if it comes between following me and, you know, following what your your parent wants to tell you or what your your family member wants you to do, then you need to choose me. You need to put me first. And so I see, like like you pointed out, you know, I see not even just Jonathan having this strong bond with David, but also the faithfulness of their love toward um, God and, and his righteousness and, and doing the right thing is that they wanted to do the right thing, even if it meant uh, for Jonathan being in an uncomfortable position, um, having to, you know, face his father head on, um, tell his, his dad the truth, even if it was difficult to handle and that kind of thing. So I think that's a lesson of application for us, you know, when it comes down to it, if two things are in, if something's in conflict with following Christ, we always go with following Christ, or at least that's what Christ calls us to do, so. Yeah, well, in in verse 23 of um, chapter 20, it said, and as for the matter of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. So you can tell that their bond isn't just yeah. a friend bond. It's right. bonding with the Lord, you know, so right. which makes it ultimately stronger, you know, compared to him and his dad, just the blood relation kind of thing. Yeah. And so one of our questions, too, that we, we like to consider on the podcast is, you know, is there anything that gives you concern or anything that's kind of confusing? So something that people sometimes bring up, mainly people who are critical of the scriptures, um, might bring up, you know, the idea of, of David and Jonathan having like this homosexual relationship or that their, their, their relationship we, with each other was sexual in some kind of way. And... I don't see any evidence for that. Um, it it does it really goes against the way that David is presented in the story, and so that would be inconsistent with the author's um, intent of how he's, you know, accounting, you know, mm-hmm. David's especially David's early life and early career. Um, but I, you know, like the translation that says, you know, he loved Jonathan as himself. So, you know, some translations say he loved him as his own soul. And that's really what Jesus calls us to do when he says, you know, the second greatest commandment is like this one is like, you know, the first great, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with with everything that is in you. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, And so I see that being as more, I just want to point that out. Because uh, yeah. there are some people that wonder about that kind of thing, and uh, that's understandable. Um, but he loved him as his own soul. He loved him as himself. And so we should all be loving one another um, as ourselves, as our own soul, especially within the body of believers in our church family. Uh, we should remember that this is our, our family member. This is this. I'm 
united with this person in a, in a very special way because we are both commonly united in Christ. And so uh, that's just, that's kind of how I see the relationship between David and Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, didn't, I didn't pick up any vibes of yeah. that going on. <laughs> Dylan <laughs> is the, the, um, he's the expert detector. Um, <laughs> whenever I have a question, I'll I'll ask you, Dylan. Or Dylan, <laughs> you see anything going on here? Um, but uh, yeah, anything well, else I'm, that yeah, yeah gave you guys you, that you had questions about, or you know, yeah, with maybe conf- yeah, that confusing part. Mm-hmm. Um, so chapter twenty-one, the part where he deceives the priest okay. and they eat the consecrated bread. Yeah, yeah. I I get why you know to protect the priest. Uh, and he ends up dying anyway. But <laughs> poor guy, I know, I know. It's, it's it's not good. It's not good to laugh. But it it's already good, happened. But... Yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, so long ago. All right. Uh, but but you know you don't you don't anticipate seeing stories of deception from someone who was such a righteous person. Yeah. And you yeah. know ultimately did so many of the right things. Mm-hmm. And then you see a blatant story of deception, and yeah. you know, then then you wonder like, is is deception okay to protect others? You know, mm. you start asking yeah. yourself those questions. But I don't know what what's your take on that. Well, uh, that's good. I like that you're you're kind of going there um, because I did think about that. Um, I think here it's clear that David is. Um, I don't know why David is is necessarily lying in this way. I don't know if he, well, I guess I should say, I don't know if David thought that he was protecting the priest by lying. Um, Maybe maybe he thought he was trying to keep the priest out of it and just, you know, kind of the less you know, the better man. And so just don't ask any questions. Can I have the bread and get out of here? But unfortunately, one of Saul's people was, was, was there. And Saul, regardless, of the lie that David told shouldn't have killed all those people. So it's really on Saul is responsible. And yet I do think that David is somewhat responsible here. I guess that's up for debate. Um, that's something to consider. Um, the priest gives him the bread anyways, even though it's meant for the, the priest only to eat. Um, so I'm going to jump on a little bit of a rabbit trail here and then, well, it's not totally unrelated, but, but then we'll get back to the question on deception. So Jesus actually cites this event, this incident in, I believe it was Matthew. I don't know where I have it written down. Matthew chapter 12, where, you know, he's having some dispute with the religious leaders of the day and, and he's. You know, it's probably something over like the Sabbath regulations or rules. And the religious leaders in Jesus' day were all about following the rules and the rituals and ceremonial law. And and rituals are good. We all have rituals. We all have traditions that we follow. And those traditions and rituals are designed to direct us to reorient our hearts toward God. Um, but Jesus was saying that when he was kind of recalling this story of when David was in great need 
this priest made a particular exception. He made an exception to ceremonial law, to the ritual, because human necessity and human need uh, outweighs this following the ritual perfectly and the ceremonial law perfectly every time. Uh, So I guess if I think of like a modern example of that, um, we don't, you know, our rituals are still, our, our rituals nowadays kind of, you know, remain out of the way of, you know, the, I guess, everyday life. It was a lot different back then. Uh, Everything was a little bit more intermingled, I guess. Uh, So maybe it would be an example of like if somebody came in uh, and they were really hungry um, or like they just, you know, they were really hungry and we didn't have anything except communion wafers, uh, then, you know, they're really hungry and, and I can't get them to the store. I can't go and buy them a meal or something like that. Then we'd give them the communion wafers and there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. Or uh, maybe if, if you, somebody walked into a Catholic church and uh, they somehow, the only water they had was the holy water that they like to, now we have some theological differences between, you know, that particular ritual that Catholics have, but for the sake of the example, you know, Catholics have holy water that people, um, you know, dip their fingers in and cross themselves with when they enter uh, their sanctuary for worship. Um, So let's say somebody came by, they were really thirsty, and the only water available was that holy water. Well, my guess is the priest would give them that holy water to drink, even though it's meant for a remembrance of one's baptism. It's designed for that, but in the case of human need, that outweighs the the need for reorienting your heart toward God through this particular ritual. So um, that's a lot to take in there, but uh, that is kind of what Jesus is talking about and re- referring to this story. Now, the question that you kind of asked was, is it okay to lie? So I'm going to put the ball in your court for now and ask <laughs> you, do you think that it is it might be ever be okay to deceive somebody maybe we'll use it that's a nicer word deceive that's so hard and <laughs> this this uh, study bible i have okay I'm, I'm like looking at some of these notes and it says uh, he also teaches that it is always lawful to do good and to save life hmm. so if, is your deception if I think if it's something that you're just doing to yeah. better better your own uh, right. self-interest then absolutely not but if you have somebody coming in and uh, trying to kill somebody or whatever mm-hmm. and you know your little cousin's hiding in the closet and they say is anybody else here and you tell them no is that is that bad I don't think so because you're doing yeah. it and, and purposes to save a life. Right. I don't think so either. And what we're kind of getting into now, now we're getting into the heavy stuff is, you know, you kind of have, you're always going to, in a sinful and broken world, you're always going to find yourself, yourself in, in situations where, uh, 
you know, you might feel like you get stuck between a rock and a hard place, as they call it, and you don't have a choice one way or the other. No matter what choice you make, you're, you feel like you're sinning or doing some kind of wrong. Um, you might feel like, uh, <laughs> you know, when you vote, you might feel like you're sinning either way or like you're, you know, you don't have one good option like people say, oh, the, the lesser of the two evils. And I mean, you are electing sinful and broken people to lead because we're in a sinful and broken and fallen world and, and uh, we're simultaneously sinners and saints. So technically, everything that we do, even the good things we do, are, are tainted by our sins. But through the baptism of Jesus, his, through his forgiveness, that grace covers us. And so even the good things we do, even though they are tainted by sin, Jesus' grace covers that and blesses that. So it, it, gets, it gets messy, you know. Uh, this stuff doesn't happen in a, in a vacuum. And so, you know, this priest saw David in need and, well, David also in lying wanted maybe to protect the priest, but he also maybe just didn't want to be found out. Maybe he didn't know if the priest would uh, kind of tell on him. So it's a little questionable whether David should have, you know, said this lie because he ended up being found out anyway because one of Saul's loyal servants was there and knew who David was, um, so he probably should have told the truth in this situation. But I do think, you know, the example you used, yeah, if if you're lying for the sake of, you know, someone else's benefit, uh, for the sake of preserving life, um, I think that that can, st- you know, everything is covered by God's grace, and so you make the best decision going forward, especially in the moment, and you ask for forgiveness. Um, if you, even if you're unsure, like, God, I don't know if I've sinned here, but I, I beg your forgiveness if I did, you know, um, you just move forward. I think, um, you know, in the Bible, God tells people to, to go and, and kill. So that means that killing is not always wrong. Um, it, it's, it's, it's part of a sinful and broken world and a lot of times, I think you'll you'll find yourself in situations where you're not really sure whether you have any good options at all. But yeah, yeah, that was very was good. Well put. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you should be a preacher. Well, <laughs> hint, hint, I am. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's interesting things to think about. Um, I also think of the example of like the Holocaust, you know, uh, Schindler, uh, I forget his first name, but Schindler as also portrayed in the movie Schindler's List. He lied for the sake of preserving uh, the lives of those, uh, the Jewish people. And Corey Ten Boom uh, is, is uh, a lady who, who hid um, people from the Nazis as well. And so you think about that now, I'm going to go a little bit close to the edge here since now I'm thinking about it is think about Jesus dying on the cross. Um, I, I'll ask you this question. It's just a simple question. Was Jesus guilty of anything? 
Was Jesus no. guilty of <laughs> sinning at all? No. No. But he died as if he was. Mm-hmm. So he died a criminal's death even though he wasn't actually guilty. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is lying. I'm not saying that at all. But he did take our place. And the Bible says he became sin, even though he knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. And so I'm not I'm not saying that, that he's lying or deceiving in any way, but he is in a way, taking on something that doesn't characterize him for the sake of the other. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you consider that principle, that spirit of Christ, when you encounter situations where you find yourself, well, I need to, I feel like I might be deceiving them, uh, or i feel like I have no good options, then you remember the spirit of Christ and you make the best decision that you can. And, you know, (laughs) chances are you're probably sinning anyway. And so, you you know, as Martin Luther said, sin boldly. Um, But that can be taken in a really bad way. So don't take that too far. (laughs) But um, but I, I think it's it's worth considering that Christ, for our sake, took on something, took on our, our sin on himself. He received the wrath of God, and so his death was marked by something that characterized him uh, inaccurately. He was not mm-hmm. actually a criminal. He was not deserving of God's wrath, and yet he received that. And so, and he was God, yet he and Christ died. So it's not saying that God is, is, is God's not deceiving in any ways. He's not um, lying in any ways. It's, it's more of a mystery. It's more of a, wow, like, isn't it amazing that God did this? But in that same spirit, I think that there are times when we can do things that might seem, if you just apply general rules to everything that might seem on the surface, especially to other people looking at us, that might seem like we're doing the wrong thing. You know, if you follow the, the, if you follow the rules, like they're, they're, you know, they're cut and dry every time, uh, then you can kind of run into issues. And, you know, you kind of see that with Jesus's encounter with the religious leaders. So, but anyways, uh, that's a little rock in, in, in your shoe. Um, for for the listeners and all that and uh, definitely feel free to email us and and with any questions or comments about that but that's just something that I kind of thought about so at risk of talking too long is there anything else that you uh thought was interesting in in these chapters uh with this story or um anything that gives you kind of hope in in reading this I think at the very end where David had just a prime opportunity to end all this and and slay Saul, um, and he again placed his faith in God and and felt like that was not the right thing to do Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, just cut off a piece of his cloak and, and that one proved his faith, but two, and I haven't read ahead, but it seems to work out. 
Right. You know? Yeah. And and you may have something staring in your face and you think I can deal with this myself and try to go out and act upon it yourself and not consider what God's will is. Yeah. Um, and think you're going to have a better outcome where David shows that he follows God's will, although it may not have seemed as the best option, hmm. but then it ends up working out and you know, nobody gets hurt as hmm. far as I've read. Well, yeah, I think Saul ends up dying in war or something like that. Um, David doesn't actually kill him, I, I, uh-huh. I believe. I could be wrong about that. I don't think I am. Uh, but, yeah, um, but even Saul at that point admits, all right, yep, you're, you're more worthy, or you're, you're going to be king. Uh, you're going to take my kingdom from me, um, or God's going to establish you as king, and you're more worthy than I. Uh, so even Saul is reasonable enough to realize that, yeah, all right, I played dirty, and David, David's clean. He's uh, mm-hmm. he does the right thing. Um, you know, he's he's faithful. He walks the walk of integrity, and and that kind of reminds me of your comment, Abby, that you said at the beginning is David's willingness to listen to God, and so mm-hmm. he doesn't just act, and a lot of times he escapes and, and goes away. Um, and he takes, he lets this thing play out for a little while as well before he just immediately jumps. And it seems like he lets this play out for a long time before he even takes this to Jonathan as an issue. And so that can be kind of an example for us is um, there are some things that we need to act on right away, but in all of it, we definitely, you know, listening to God, listening to his spirit, letting his word. Uh, guide us um, is the priority so yeah yeah all right well let's go ahead and take a break and then when we come back we'll hit on some application and how this matters to our lives today but we'll be right back Welcome back to Grow Up and Talk. We sh- took a short break. Uh, we talked a lot of uh, over a lot of things in this uh, area of scripture. Uh, we jumped into some uh, deep digging as well. Uh, but let's end as we always do with uh, talking about application, how this matters, and how this is important to our lives today. So, uh, Abby, how do you see this story about David, Jonathan, Saul uh, being important to? our lives as Christians? Well, I think personally for myself, something I can take away is kind of like I mentioned earlier, just like the faithfulness that David had. Um, But to go back to your point that you kind of just talked about right before the break is that sometimes we don't need to automatically act on what we feel is needed, that Mm. we need to have that patience and truly listen to God and um, pray about it, have that faith in him. Um, and things can develop how it's supposed to. I mean, it's his will. So I think that patience aspect is something I know I definitely need to um, apply to my life. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's like I want the immediate thing. Um, I'll pray about it, but it's like, okay, like now I need it now. Or yeah. I need the answer now or whatever it is. And sometimes the wait is 
showing the faithfulness that you have in him. So yeah, I think that's a great, great way to apply it. Cool. Yeah. I, I think, uh, especially in his early life, the character and faithfulness of David, uh, really shows, um, you see that kind of, um, or I guess that sort of represented and symbolized in when, uh, and this is kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Some people, you know, see like in, in chapter 18, I think like verse four or something where Jonathan takes off his robe and gives it to David. Now they're just talking about the outer garment. Okay. Back, <laughs> back in those days, people wore, you know, multiple layers of clothes. And so most likely Jonathan being like in, in royalty, being the king's son, he had a really like nice looking outer garment. It probably has some good colors. It was probably decorative in some way and, and all that. And so that identified him as royalty. Uh, you see this a lot today, like, you know, in, in, in our more traditional settings and uh, congregations, you know, the pastor will wear the stole, which are the, you know, the colored I guess, you know, thing that is draped over him and you have one on each side uh, over his robe. And so that signifies that he's in a, a public office or whatever. And so that's kind of similar to what uh, different actually political officials would wear um, back in ancient times. And so, it, you know, a lot of times those clothes uh, signify someone's role and who they are. So, and that the Bible uses that language a lot, like clothe yourselves with Christ, clothe yourselves with righteousness or Christ. Uh, and you kind of see that imagery where Christ mm -hmm. became uh, naked on a cross, and which was considered hum like um, a sign of humility, the most embarrassing death he could have. And yet for us, he clothed us with his, his righteousness. So he covered us up. And, and he took on the um, the embarrassment of not having the clothes. And so for us, we it's it kind of like it's similar um, in how Jonathan gives David the clothes of royalty. Um, and that signifies David as king. And yet in Jesus, he gives us the 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 clothes. You know, this is, I guess, metaphorically speaking, he mm -hmm. gives us his royal clothes or garments and, and, and gives that to us. And so, um, I forget where I was going with that, uh, but, <laughs> but I think that, uh, just goes to show like, you know, um, how, how God really worked in David's life to, to, to put him in those positions and God mm -hmm. continues, you know, he worked in our lives through Christ, uh, to give us everything that we need and he continues to, to work uh, in our lives today. So, yeah. Absolutely. All Patience right. in today's world is definitely required. Yeah. Especially in COVID land. Definitely <laughs> in COVID land. <laughs> in COVID land. That's a new term. I've ha I haven't heard that one used before. I, I've heard, uh, I've heard Rona. I've heard, you know, COVID-19. That's your classic, <laughs> the pandemic. Uh, some people even say epidemic. Uh, some people are like the COVID thing, the COVID thing, or this COVID, and uh, there you go, COVID land. Very good. Yes. All right. Well, uh, we always end with a random question that is unknown 
to our um, guest on the show. So Abby and Dylan, the random question today is this. If peanut butter was not called peanut butter, but it was called something else, what would it be called? Ooh. <laughs> Hold on, let me think. <laughs> it's always a good sign when you have to think more about the random question than about the Bible, right? right? Abby's <laughs> 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 pointing at me like, come on. <laughs> yeah, come on, Dylan. Tell us. Um, what would you call peanut butter if it wasn't called peanut butter? Thick whip. Oh. <laughs> You just whip it on there and stick. <laughs> All right, Abby. What do you got? Well, I don't know why the first thing that comes to my mind is nutter butter. But nutter butter. An actual yeah, it is. cookie. So, but it's okay. We'll just act like it's not we'll act like you came up real. with it and you're yes. very innovative. Very yes. Yeah. Trademark. Yeah. Trade. This, this is my... <laughs> This is my lovely wife and how creative she is. She she took peanut butter and turned it into nutter butter, <laughs> which is already a thing. <laughs> I'm um, not very creative. That's okay. So. That's okay. Everyone has their gifts. Um, <laughs> let's see. Hmm. I don't know what I would call it. I guess I would call it... Um, I don't know. This is a hard question. I I was giving you guys a hard it's time, and now, and now I'm having trouble myself. I think. I like and, and you knew the question going into this. I did know the question, but I just didn't think about it. So, um, I kind of like thick whip. <laughs> thick whip. Yeah. That is. That's pretty clever. I, I'll give you that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like I was thinking like. Uh, brown, 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 <laughs> brown sauce or brown. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, peanut one. butter is a clever, clever word. So now, listeners, you have an appreciation not only for God's word, but also for the concept of peanut butter. Absolutely. There you go. All right. Well, um, enough of us trying to uh, figure out new names for peanut butter. Something that isn't new is that you can always email your questions into growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com, and we would love to interact with you. Uh, love to answer any questions that you might have, uh, anything you found interesting or want us to address on the show. We'd love to hear it from you, so email us. And Abby and Dylan, thanks for giving us some terrible names for peanut butter <laughs> and for growing up together by talking about god's word today oh thank, thank you. you yep all right we'll see you next time peace all right thanks